welcome everybody. It had been a while I got in touch with another incredible project and individuals that are trying to do something very interesting in the Web3 space. And what I try to do with these highlights that I do as part of this series um, is to make sure that we get to hear the stories behind the innovation and behind the idea and behind what Web3 can be and how certain individuals and, and teams are trying to push Web3 um, in different directions. So fidgetals are another interesting direction that Web3 is being pulled into. And I, I have been very actively following that space and um, getting to know our guests today from Board Grapes. And we're going to dive into everything from the founders, their, their lives, and back to the project. But just to set the mood for the space, this space is more about the individuals themselves than the project itself. So the project is there. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, with you here, Bobby, if you could introduce yourself and then we'll, we'll go to Caustica and um, then to Nick. So if you could tell me about yourself and where you're from, what your passions are, and, and how you got involved with the project. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us. We're uh, we're super excited to be here. I just posted up to the top so everyone can kind of see uh, Vineyard Opens in about a week now, uh, next Friday. Um, and essentially, uh, I got into crypto a while ago, like most of us in the space, uh, kind of watched NFTs bubble up in 2020 into 2021, um, really thought it was something um, in my, in my real life, uh, I own a manufacturing business, uh, a 3d printing business. So I've always had this kind of fascination with connecting digital to physical. Um, and when NFTs really became popular, um, to me, it was very obvious that, you know, this is going to walk down the path and become really exciting when collectibles, you know, kind of come out of just the digital sense and start to bridge that gap between physical and, 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 and digital worlds, right? With metaverse gaming. And, um, you know, I kind of saw it coming a mile away with fashion brands. Um, and then as 2020 kind of like rolled out, um, I saw these projects really, you know, doing some awesome things with the technology. Um, Kosaka and I have been buddies for a while. Um, fun fact about Kosika, he also owns a, a shoe company and designs fashion and premium shoes that, that we 3D print. So it's really, really awesome. And so we, we've been working together on things like that in our, in our day jobs and kind of regular lives. Um, but as we were all playing around with NFTs, we started to kind of brainstorm, like, what could we do for a project if, if we wanted to get on that side of the space? Um, Kostika had no Nick um and we all kind of started to talk and essentially like early um 2020 i'm sorry talking about 22 um we kind of said you know what we're gonna do a project let's do something cool and so we started to concept um what we can do and uh nick being a winemaker uh it made a lot of sense that we should maybe look at doing something with his wine and, you know, really creating a, a fun project around um, how do we create this like digital collectible kind of unique experience that allows people to gain access to these really, really high quality wines and create that like digital, the physical kind of opportunity. Um, so that was really where the concept came from. 
And uh, we worked together for about um, nine months, putting the strategy together. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. You know, we launched our free mint last year um, with our free bottles, our empty bottles. Uh, we kind of got that out of the way. You know, we wanted to put that out into the market for free. That's our supplies collection. Um, but this next mint is our grapevines where now we really, you know, we open the vineyard up, you know, we start to kind of go through this unique growing opportunity, which we'll discuss here in a little bit after we do intros. Um, and then we kind of, you know, build on the project through this, you know, fun storytelling, a little bit of metaverse. Um, there's some other elements with the other side. So, I mean, we've, we've got a really kind of exciting roadmap ahead of us, but it starts next week with our, with our grapevines. That's very cool. Thank you so much for that incredible intro and and a little sneak peek into what we're going to dive into here shortly. Uh, Kostika, if you could uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, and I know uh, Bobby introduced you a little bit, but I would like to hear from you about your journey and how you got involved with the project. Totally, totally, of course. Um, I I started way back in, in college when I was starting architecture. I got into 3D, so I got into 3D, and then from, from 3D, I moved from architecture in the footwear space just be, just by accident. I happened to work with a Dutch designer on a shoe. It was called Biomimicry Shoe, and that went viral. That went viral, and uh, long story short, I ended up in New York working with a lot of people, with a lot of artists. Uh, I've worked with, like, Doja Cat, Beyonce, uh, so I, like some of the big artists, uh, Lady Gaga. And then when uh, someone asked uh, for a pair of shoes... It's, it's actually Ika and Kostika. It's my wife and I. We put this business together. Uh, I-C-A-K-O-S-T-I-K-A. Um, you can see like crazy 3D printed shoes. And uh, at one point, someone requested, I don't know if, if, if you know Iris Van Herpen. She's, uh, she's a, like one of the top fashion designers in the world. She wanted to put our shoes with her dresses. And um, that's when I actually needed Bobby the most because I needed the shoes to be produced in New York within like a week and sprayed and to, to the right color. And I was asking around all my friends, my, all my contacts. And then someone, one of my good friends who, who I've known for a decade, he put me in touch with Bobby. And then Bobby was amazing. He like put the whole thing together. We, we ended up printing the wrong size because they asked us for the, for the size and it was, it was a different, it was not fitting right. And then Bobby did it again. So he went above and beyond. And ever since, we've, we've been friends. Uh, we, we've been brainstorming on what to work on, what to work on in the future. Like, how can we collaborate more? Uh, and then Nick is a different story. I happened to move to Portland after New York. Uh, I got into uh, more of the traditional. I moved from fashion into um, outdoor shoes with this company, Keen. And then I happened to move in the building where Nick was living. Um, it's called the Indigo Building. It's got propellers on top, has this rooftop where Nick throws a lot of parties, has a lot of wine, uh, or we used to <laughs> before COVID, um, and enjoy enjoy the wines there, enjoy like lots of amazing people out there. Uh, but I met Nick in the elevator. Uh, I was in the elevator with my wife, and Nick was there holding a big box of a, some some kind of Apple screen, um, and I was I just looked at him, and he looked like a fun guy, like like a. Like a, like a good vibe, good energy. And we just started talking. We started talking. And, uh, yeah, little by little, we, we would hang out more and more and more. 
I, long story short, I ended up living in that building for five years. So Nick and I have known each other uh, physically for five years in Portland. We, we've partied together. We've experienced these wines. We've uh, shared many stories, many experiences. And, um, and then I left in 2021. My wife and I, we, we left the U.S. We're now living the digital nomad life. We're in Europe. Uh, in Albania at the moment, I was in Greece uh, just, three mo- just like a few days ago in Crete, just moving around in Europe, playing the game where they let you stay with visas. They don't let you stay. Before that, I was in Panama. Before that, I was in Mexico. So I've been gone from U.S. since 2021, uh, living this crazy life and um, collaborating with awesome people. And this type of work makes all of this all of this uh, possible. And I'm so excited about the future. I'm so excited about... Um, all you know when people hear the story and like what this what this will do and how this will transform the whole industry and and I'm so excited about the connection between digital and and physical because it's like like someone explained to me it's like a ticket like you own a ticket to something that's guaranteed uh, or as guaranteed as, as 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 the founders are willing to to back it so yeah I'm so excited to be here and I'm so excited to you know, be part of this movement and working with wonderful people. That is so incredible. And I, I'm personally a huge fan of this digital nomad lifestyle because it's not for everybody and those that are able to do it, I absolutely respect. And I have had to move to places, not because of, of choice. It's more like having to do with like wanting to learn and like being a first generation immigrant in the U.S. It's with that stuff. So, um, I was actually stalking the website with you and your wife with the shoes. And I'm, I have to say, these are, these are badass. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, and those that are not on the website, just, just go, go check it out. Um, it's very inspiring work, really. Like, even if you wouldn't have said like, uh, the brands and the people, the celebrities you've worked with, the work shows for itself. These are, high quality things and meeting people IRL is the best way to meet people. Like I'm all for web three. I'm all for metaverse and stuff, but there's something magical about running into someone in the hallway and just becoming best friends for like, you would never know like half of the people in our lives that are there are just there because of some random story. You run into someone now they're like a huge part of your life. So, um, awesome. Well, appreciate, uh, Kostika for sharing that. I'm going to move on to Nick. Now that you're on the spot with that story. <laughs> Kostika, that story brings back so many fun memories. For, I can remember for sure. that day in the elevator. Yeah, man. Um, and then ever, you know, ever since that day, um, just so many great conversations. And uh, like you said, just good times with friends and wine. And, uh, you know, for me with wine, that's what it's about. It's like, I put every everything I have into creating the very best wine that I can. And <clears throat> to share that with friends, family, create good positive times, um, you know, that's that's a great satisfaction to me. And um, so, yeah, great, great, uh, great story. And so a little bit about me. I got into um, making wine uh, just after college. Um, I grew up, my mom's from Germany. Um, during the holidays, we would have ice vine when I was, when I was young, I always loved to cook. 
uh, when I had a girlfriend in college, I, you know, we would cook and taste wines and then go tour the Willamette Valley here in Oregon, where I'd taste with winemakers and have the opportunity to go into their cellars and um, just the aromatics, like you walk into a wine cellar, the smells, the barrels, it's just this really kind of natural um, beauty that, that we're creating uh, with, you know, with grapes, with oak, um, and <clears throat> with, with great people involved. Um, so just I started by, um, you know, getting into the Willamette Valley wine scene, learning more about Pinot Noir, and I wanted to try it as a hobby. Like, I didn't come from a winemaking family. So um, my parents do have a 200-acre property, which is now planted, but at that time, we had no grapes planted, nobody in the family made wine, and I decided to try it as a hobby and just start making wine in my dad's shop. And so, um, yeah, I, I bought grapes uh, from a few vineyard managers. Uh, one of the friends that I visited at a winery kind of mentored me. So it's like a garage east, just somebody as a hobby making wine in their shop. Uh, I went to Oregon State University where I studied international business, Spanish. I didn't study winemaking, um, but I got into it in those late stages of college. And once I started making the wine and, and buying grapes and processing the grapes, we had this hand crank distemmer that I used and it was very you know, labor intensive, but there was something about that hard work and creating something that I loved. And so with that, um, I wanted to see how I could get involved in the, in the wine industry. I didn't have an enology degree, but I was buying French oak barrels. And so um, basically, uh, the gentleman I bought French oak barrels from said, hey, this is a great way, you know, to learn more about wines. You talk about French oak. I mean, you get to meet a lot of winemakers and discuss how that French oak impacts their wines. And um, here's three French companies looking for a rep. And, so, and he said, this is the best one. So back in 2006, I decided, yeah, that's, that's a great way to get my foot into the door and in the industry. And I started a commission-only job for a French cooperage in France called Tenellerie Allery. And still to this day, I'm their North uh, American sales director. And so I started... Yeah, I started back in 2006, um, meeting winemakers, learning about wine, making wine as a hobby, um, having friends mentor me. Then I decided to take UC Davis enology courses, correspondence courses. I went to the community college, Chemeketa, and I learned. I learned from making mistakes. You know, the first year you make wine, there's a lot that can go wrong. I learned from that. But that was 2006, and I fell in love with it, and I never gave up. And then um, the commission job was tough, but in 2011, I had enough money to buy um, a quality grapes, enough barrels to start my brand, Authentique Wine Cellars. And so I had, yeah, I had four or five years under my belt, and I had some good friends helping me. And 2011, we made beautiful wines. And then so once I started learning, well, what does it take? What are all the steps? Uh, to make the best wine? How can you, you know, put your passion in and be diligent and really protect the wines? And that art started evolving. And I started 
meeting more winemakers, traveling around the world with the French cooperage, tasting in Burgundy, tasting in Bordeaux. I taste throughout Italy, from Sicily to Piedmonte to Tuscany, um, making friends. Um, I sell barrels from Napa, Paso Robles, Willamette Valley, uh, Washington, Walla Walla, Yakima. All of these tastings, hundreds, thousands of wines, all of that, you know, has an imprint in me and my style. And I have a very unique winemaking style. There's no wines that taste like mine. Um, I have small production lots right now. I'm sourcing from some of the best, foremost, historic vineyards in Oregon, like the first planting in the Ribbon Ridge AVA. Um, I source from 80s plantings in the Eola Amity Hills AVA, vineyards uh, planted on top of an old volcano, Temperance Hill, for example. A 70s Massal selection from the Dundee Hills AVA. And then my parents saw that passion in me, and they started planting their vineyard in 2006. And so 50% of my production I source from my mom and dad's organic certified, biodynamic certified vineyard. And I'm making these incredible small lot wines. And then talking to Caustic, I thought, hey man, how do we, how do we get involved with crypto? I knew he was very interested in it. I loved his, um, you know, he was involved with uh, VR work. And I love that creativity. I love creativity. I love art. And I just saw this Web3 space, a great way to place wines, to be involved with friends uh, and, and just grow, um, you know, the audience for the wines involving art, involving people. I always like, like I buy grapes from people that I like. I support my family, people that work with me, you know, I generally care about. Um, and so all of this came together with this project, Ben Costic Costica introduces me to Rob, who's just a brilliant entrepreneur, creative as well. Um, and I just learned so much. So every day I'm just like, it's like a fire hose of information, just learning about, you know, development and the Web3 space and crypto. Then I started collecting. And now I have all of these really cool special lots dedicated just to board grapes. And we're not talking a big, you know, I'm a boutique world-class winemaker. I've, I get high scores for my wines and, you know, I, I really believe in this project and my friends and I'm putting, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting my very best wines, which I could sell other places into this project because I believe it so much. So um, that's sort of how it all started. And every day I'm learning and every day we're having fun. And uh, just, you know, I brainstormed a ton of ideas with Rob last night about gamifying the growing process. And uh, like Costica and Rob, I mean, I'm just super excited to be here and super excited to take this step one of the paid mint, which is going to lead to, a, you know, so much longevity for the project and so many other fun things we can do and fun collaborations with that network of winemakers that I know. And um, yeah, I'm excited for for what we've begun, what we've started. That's beautiful. I just didn't, I honestly, I agree. Everybody would agree with me here that I did not want you to stop talking because there's so much knowledge about something I know so little about. And one thing that I've heard, uh, 
from so many people. It's like everything is art. And the people that look at life from the lens of creativity, they find that energy in whatever they do. And I bet your wine is the best out there. I'm not personally a wine drinker because I just I don't drink. But I can tell from your voice and your energy and your your passion for what you've done so far that it's about the creativity there. It's about bringing something to the table that others are not bringing and just making things more holistic. It's just something beautiful to hear about. And you jumping right into Web3 with that stuff and not knowing anything, the same thing you did with wine, like learning from scratch without having a degree and then catching up on that formal education side. That's that's pretty damn impressive and uh, pretty uh, respectable and inspirational, to say the least. Yeah, you know, I want to jump in because when I first met Nick and we started talking about this project, exactly what you just said was what I gravitated towards, right? I, I felt the passion. I felt the love for the winemaking process. Everything that he was talking about, you know, we were brainstorming what could a project look like. And at some point in like the many meetings we had, like, I think we made a joke. I was like, we just need to bottle up Nick, right? Like, we just need to bottle up that passion and that love that he has in that winemaking approach, right? Like, it exudes that passion, right? Like, how do we capture that? Like, how do we wrap that into a project? And, you know, for about three or four months, we were discussing kind of strategy um, around what a project could look like. So we knew we wanted to do something creative. Um, Nick had sent me some of the wines. So I was like, this is really, really good wine. Um, before the project, I kind of like, I just drank wine. I didn't know as much as I know today. So working with Nick has been this huge education, you know, from, from both sides, you know, the winemaking and wine itself. Um, but my wife is a, a huge wine lover. And so when we opened the first bottle, she took a sip and she was like, this is phenomenal wine. And, you know, immediately I started to think about the wine, Nick's passion, and my creative juices just started to flow around like, how do we bottle this up? How do we create, you know, or or connect what it is that Nick does with that passion, making that wine to this space and do it in a very creative way where we can capture the essence of this winemaking. And that's kind of, you know, I remember like it was yesterday, like a couple of calls we were struggling with, like, well, we didn't we didn't want to just like take NFTs and slap them on labels and just try to like sell more wine. Right. Like that wasn't what we were trying to create. We wanted to create something unique and experiential. And so like, it just like dawned on us on one of our calls and we were like, well, let's just do what Nick is talking about. Right. Let's, let's capture that winemaking experience. Let's build a project that mimics that winemaking experience and do like a, you know, we didn't call it this at the time, but like what we've kind of grown to end up calling it, which is like a grow to drink kind of opportunity, right? Like let's bottle that up and let's figure out how we can wrap that in experience that is completely refreshing and unique to the space, but it allows you to go through the same kind of process that Nick does out on the vineyard when he makes this wine, right? And once we had that kind of epiphany, um, so many things after that just started to fall into place and the project just started to kind of like grow a pair of legs and really just like 
it's almost like we were along for the ride at that point right it's just like with idea and idea and meeting and meeting like we just it just like grew and evolved into this like beautiful concept and it's really really fun it's really exciting that's amazing i i appreciate you jumping in there bobby and, and giving a lot more of that context and that is the best way for i i guess best way to share information because rather than me having to ask something like you jumping in and sharing more context on something that might be missed the little nuances or stories there everybody enjoys that i personally enjoy those too so um i want to i want to open up the floor to all of you there with um the journey that board grapes has been on so far so from the start inception of the project opening the doors to where you guys stand today um how's the journey been like and what have what have been some of the highlights and some of the aha moments in what three for you guys um i think you know we, we've had a long uh, let me take a step back to the beginning, right? Like we started really conceptualizing this project in January and we had a long strategy period, right? Where I think a lot of projects, you know, where, where the NFT space goes a little bit wrong and sometimes it hits and sometimes it, most of the time I think it doesn't is people rush things, right? People rush to get things out there and, you know, they come up with kind of artificial roadmaps and then they, they, they figure, you know, if, if we could just, get past the mint that generates, you know, a million bucks, we can figure everything out later and we could hit this nail on the head and we could develop that game that we want. Right. And I think the problem with those strategies and what tends to happen in the web three space is, you know, you're more inclined to fail with a strategy like that because all of that is contingent on a sellout or contingent on greater success. So you can fund these efforts. Right. And so we spent uh, a long time working through a strategy period to flesh out all of the details to build a model around this project that didn't fall victim to that, right? That didn't have this kind of um, opportunity around it has to sell out or it has to become something that funds with future money, right? Like we wanted to create something that was sustainable and had longevity in mind, right? And so um, you know, from January till about, you know, midsummer of, of, of 20, um, 22 last year, um, you know, we didn't rush things, right. We, we were on weekly calls, sometimes biweekly calls. Um, and essentially, you know, we, we kind of cultivated this strategy over that series of time that allowed us to build a model in this project that is fully self-sustainable. Um, and so when we started to kind of go from the strategy phase to the actual like development phase and like, you know, start to think about like, how do we roll this up? You know, how do we kind of launch this? Um, that's where things really started to kind of pick up steam and it just became more and more exciting with, you know, implementing the, that, you know, that strategy, which, which we had crafted so meticulously. Um, so come maybe like August of last year, um, you know, we, we switched gears into more development and, um, you know, what does our mint look like? You know, what, what kind of phases do we want and like start to build out a roadmap, um, you know, with that strategy in mind. Um, and as I mentioned before, uh, our, our first kind of highlight in the project was, 
um, how do we launch this to the community, right? How do we build the community? How do we launch this in the space? You know, get that kind of, you know, brand recognition going. Um, and we didn't want to do anything that was like, kind of cash grabby right you know we don't want we don't want to come off as like we're just selling more things to sell things um so because we had kind of built this grow to drink experience um we we said you know what if we did the empty bottles part of this for free right like put that out to the space to establish ourselves um you know build that brand build our community you know get our twitter going right you know really build it around some some juicy content um, and then we use that as a mechanism to kind of walk that through the holidays, um, reset the year, and then look towards, you know, how do we get to the growing phase, right, which is the phase we're going into now. Um, so I say, you know, for highlights for me, you know, getting back to your question there, um, you know, as much as I love strategy, like, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about that and, and kind of putting all the ducks in a row, so to speak. Um, but when we started to kind of execute upon that strategy, um, I can honestly say that since then, the, the project has just become more and more fun to work on because as you see that strategy become realized, you know, with development and the first, you know, graphics, the artwork, you know, we've got an exceptional artist that we brought into the project. He's a good buddy of mine that I work with on another project. Um, and his artwork is phenomenal. Right. You can see it in the tweet that I posted above. Right. He, he just has this way of bringing these like story telling and, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words kind of a thing um, in his art that like there's just so much detail and effort and, and, and passion that he puts into it that it just really kind of speaks about the project very well, I think, and, and the brand we're trying to create. So as all of that started to kind of unfold and really come to life. Um, personally, it just got me more and more excited about what we were building. And, you know, as we started the concept, the, you know, the initial NFTs for the empty bottle. I mean, we're talking about just literally an empty bottle, right? Like, how, how exciting can an empty bottle even be? But like the very nature of seeing the artwork come to life and like mimicking the artwork and, and the empty bottle graphics to the actual bottles that Nick uses in his wines, right? Like if you put them side, side by side, like they literally are like mirror images of each other. Right. So like everything we're trying to do, it has that kind of quality built into it and that touch of reality, um, which really started to unfold as we walked the project closer and closer to that initial launch. So I think that was probably like the turning point. Um, and this upcoming mint next week is, I think, going to be one of the most exciting parts for, at least for me, you know, being on the development side and, you know, been working on, you know, the dashboard and everything for the past six months. Like we've put so much effort and time and thought into like how this approach works and we've built it from the ground up. So I think to now put that out there and get that in other people's hands and allow people to start to experience all of that hard work that, you know, our team has put into this. I'm really, really excited for that. I, I love it. And it, there's so much you said in that, that segment there that I cannot agree more with. It's, it's a philosophical thing with me and Web3, and I have been very vocal about what I feel the ethics of Web3 are, um, specifically the NFT space. A lot has changed, and the NFT space just keeps evolving over time, and everybody tries to catch up. And my personal goal has been to make sure that 
the actual ethos of Web3 doesn't get lost in the whole hype cycle because every every bull market, there's some hype. Like NFTs just go in the hype mode and people just forget about what NFTs are supposed to mean and what everything around Web3 needs to be. And you said all the right things. And some of the things you mentioned, which I want to highlight, which people need to remember, and their personal values of MetaLeon Society as well, um, is... Are you delivering value and are you reliant on just a mint to move forward? Those are very important questions that a lot of NFT project leaders and Web3 founders do not think about. And then they half-ass their way through the project. And then when things don't go their way, which did happen when ETH dumped, and it was a personal experience of ours, when ETH dumped 90% of the projects that are out there, they just shut down shop because they didn't know what to do because everything relied on that three, three, four thousand dollar ETH that they were gonna get through the mint. So having a plan, having a phased approach, build, taking the time to put in the effort with the community, all of those things are extremely important. And I'm very glad that you and the team are thinking about those things, or being meticulous and and conscious about those things. So I uh, want to move to Costica and uh, Nick. If you guys had anything to add for that that question there, oh man, of course, and. Um... There, there has been a nail-biting moment for this project in the beginning too, because you know, you know, when you watch those uh, episodes with uh, with the Discovery Channel or whatever, where the turtles they hatch up the baby turtles and they try to make it out there into the ocean, and like they get keep getting eaten alive by seagulls or crabs or something like that, like that kind of happened here because Bobby and I before before we started working with Nick, we were working on some other projects, uh, which actually is where the art came from from all of these other projects that we were working on and uh, i actually nick talked to me and i and there was a moment in time i have the text saved when i actually told nick like i talked to bobby bobby was like ah we're too busy we're working on these other projects and i told nick like nick we don't we don't have time like maybe we'll um explore this later but then 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 i i was thinking about it more and then i was talking to nick more and i was like then I was going back to Bobby and I was like, Bobby, we got to do this, man. You have to meet. Like, you two have to meet. Because I knew that, like, these two are, like, high-quality people. And it takes high-quality people to, like you said, to overcome that, like, after the ETH fell, to overcome that part and, you know, to continue to continue this process. And, and that's where, from those other projects, that's when we met our artist, Rafa, who actually is, like, the connector between between web three and then web with what we're doing with wine. But like, if we didn't have that sort of like, it's kind of like the right language to introduce the project, uh, such, such an, such a, such a mentality uh, into, into web three, which, which just all, it was like so delicate in the beginning. Like when I think about it, how delicate it was, it, it just like drives me like it, emotionally and crazy, it's like wow! Like we almost missed it, but we hung in there, and here we are today. That is amazing. Your analogy there with the turtle, I can totally, I can totally relate. I always rooted for the turtles to make it, but only a few of them would make it, and it definitely was a nail biter. And it's it's crazy how the space is growing, right? Like you, you're working on something and all of a sudden this other thing comes up and you're like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta get on this too. There's not enough time. There's not enough people, but there's so many ideas. And that's why I'm so bullish 
on Web3 and its people because it, it you need a different mindset. You got to be able to crank it out, not be able to sleep. It's just, it's a lifestyle, right? <laughs> yeah, no matter what, you just got to keep going. And Hell yeah. And Bobby, this, these two are like incredible. Nick, Nick and Bobby are like, they are doing a thousand things right now. Like, it's incredible. Beautiful. With that, flowers being sent to Nick's way. Nick, you had anything to add with that? Oh, I, I just wanted to say I love how this project evolved on its own. Um, I, I spoke with Kostika. I wanted to sell, you know, a special bottle of wine for crypto. And then I was like, well, what if we just make an NFT out of my label, you know, and make kind of a cool NFT and sell that, sell that bottle. But then, then, then really talking to Bobby, who's in the space, and then Christy, who has an ape, and then we have this property on the other deed that we started to develop into a vineyard, and it has a winery there. We have this like, like um, Hall of Fame of like partners in this foyer. And it's just like this creative pro process that's tied to these other really cool projects out there. It's way more than just putting like um, an ape on a bottle and, and, and trying to sell it. Um, the evolution of the project, the creativity, the grow to drink. And then, you know, we're talking about doing some kind of fun gamified aspects as you're growing these grapes. Um, uh, all of that came, you know, it's just, like I said, how it evolved um, over the time and learning and really trying to connect with the space um, and what's existing. And um, that's that's been the coolest thing for me to see. You know, what I once what I first thought it's not this isn't, you know, what I first thought. It's just this natural, cool um, project that, uh, you know, took on its own energy. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you for all of your inputs there. Um, guys, more, I want to... One more. What, yeah, what, yeah, one go more. ahead. We, we, yeah, we, go for we it. We cannot forget to, to appreciate our, our early, early adopters. We cannot forget to appreciate our developers, our artists, and those early people, you know, that helped us with the project and are still there every day on Discord and Twitter because those are, like, so important to, to keeping and growing this thing and encouraging us. So I just want to take a moment and, you know, offer my gratitude to all those people. That's beautiful. You, you actually gave me a perfect segue into my next question, which was, uh, again, in Web3, everybody that's in here and doing it right know that community plays a major, major role, sometimes a bigger role than the founders themselves to shape the future of the project. Uh, so Kostika, you touched a little bit on the community there. And I'd like the three of you to tell us a little bit more about the community that you've built and the, the vibe and what is this community all about? And uh, what kind of energy do you attract to the project? Like what, what have you learned so far with the community and uh, what is what is it the ideal thing that you're trying to build or that's how does the collaboration work with the community there? That's a great question. Um, and it's something that I, I try to remind myself in almost everything we touch, right? Cause it's, it's, I think one of the most powerful aspects of web three, right? Like you're building alongside of a community and, you know, I've launched businesses, brands, products um, and to 
be kind of operating behind the scenes for so long in product development and then to put whatever it is you're making out into the space to be judged for the first time, you know, now knowing what I know in Web3, I look back at that process and I feel like it's all wrong, right? Because like, you know, in product development and, and running a business, you know, you want to fail fast, right? You want to learn from those mistakes as soon as you can. And, you know, especially with product development, because like you, you spend all this time, effort, money, if it's a physical item, right? Like tooling or molding or, you know, whatever it is, hardware. Um, and you can invest all this time and effort and, and, and capital and then have it wrong and, and just not even know it yet until you put it in front of customers or get feedback from the market. And where I think Web3, you know, changes that is community, right? Like you're building with a community, you're building with your users, you're, you're you know, if you want to call them customers, depending on your product, you know, or project. Um, but, you know, having that community element, I think, is one of the most powerful things that Web3 brings to the table. And so when I think about our project, you know, I try to keep that in mind in everything we we do because it's such an important component, especially when you think of wine, right? Like it makes a lot of sense because wine is something that you typically share with with friends, family, loved ones, right? Like, you know, at an event or at a, at a, at a restaurant or at a dinner or something, right? Like wine is a very social kind of a drink, right? So, um, you know, it, it really connected a lot of dots for me when, when we're going through like the early strategy and, you know, even the current development, how we deploy this, um, you know, how the community is going to interact with this process. Um, to me, like that's, that's really the, the essence of the project. And so when I think about that, right, like um, community is incredibly important. Um, I absolutely love having such a great community. And I also think we're more of like a kind of mature community, right? Like we look at it as, you know, a little bit of a break from the norms, right? Like we're not just an NFT project, right? We're a place where people can come to that are a little bit different from like your traditional NFT or PFP kind of a project. So I love it for that reason. Amazing. And that, yeah, go ahead, Nick. Oh, I was just wanted to say one thing about the community is I enjoy them having access to the winemaking part of it. We have a winemaking channel all throughout Harvest. I was taking videos of reception of grapes, um, you know, the distemming of grapes. I've got this beautiful Polonc distemmer that gently takes the grape from the stem and whole berry fermentation and all of this education uh, about winemaking and and the community has you know access to me uh, for AMAs any questions and then it's fun and then people are talking about the wines that they they've enjoyed or the cocktails and and after getting to see people in the community and in the chats and you feel like you know although I haven't met them in real life yet we do plan on having events and and such, but you know, you, there's a camaraderie and friendships that have developed, and um, I think we have a really positive community that started. And uh, again, I love to bring that educational aspect of the wines. We'll have like wine Wednesdays and tastings. I'm friends with wine reviewers um, and personalities and other winemakers we can bring in. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just the start. Amazing. Thank you guys for those uh, inputs there. Community definitely makes a huge difference. And 
I like the term Bobby used there as investors and customers because a lot of NFT projects are actually offering a product, but then they refuse or not refuse, but but forget to address their community as actual investors. Because technically, if you look at the bare bone of what NFT technology is or how it's being used in the space, as of now, one of the biggest use cases why NFTs blew up um, is fundraising in a way. And it's the most efficient way to do that without a third party. So a lot of projects forget about that, but you guys are focusing on the right things and you guys keep saying the right thing. So that's a huge shout out to you. And those are important things to think about because setting the correct intention for your community pays huge dividends and taking people along with you on that journey. As Kostika said earlier, the early people, the early adopters are the people that push you to do better, that are there to keep you accountable, that are there to to support you during the bad days because nobody in this space can say they haven't seen a bad day because this space is just insanely volatile in terms of not just prices, just overall hype and how it quickly evolves. And before you put out a project, the space is completely changed. So uh, founders deal with a lot of stuff. And what comes in handy is having a core set of people that are there for you that are active or, or there. Um, we at Metalian Society, we're, we're practically family. Uh, we greet each other in a way we we talk about each other's lives. We we're genuinely interested in everybody's lives because we genuinely care about each other. So that that's something really nice to hear from you guys about your project as well. Um, I want to digress a little bit. I am genuinely very curious about what you guys are planning uh, with the metaverse. Before we jump into that, I want to get your guys' uh, opinion on noticing that the metaverse as a concept over the past two years with Decentraland coming out and uh, a bunch of other metaverse plays that have come out, um, it's evolved a lot. It, the market's crashed. The hype is gone. What is your take on the idea of the metaverse and what makes, what makes you excited about the metaverse and how does that align with what Board Grapes is trying to do? You know, that's, that's interesting because... I, I, you know, I think, I think this conception of the metaverse, it came in, like you said, real heavy, real hyped, um, and inevitably was poised for a crash because I think the concept of what was initially introduced as the metaverse, you know, quote unquote metaverse, um, I think it was, it was, it was a little bit superficial in, in the, in the way that we kind of look at it towards web three, right? Like, I think, I think the metaverse has existed for a while, right? Like when you look at some, you know, games, like the metaverse is essentially like a game lobby, right? Like you look back at, you know, 10 years ago, you had games that are like World of Warcraft, right? MMORPGs that were very much what we're talking about today, like the, the other side and now your Fortnite to the world, right? Those are in the same sense, metaverses, right? Like, a digital world that you go and you operate and you play a game or you hang out with friends. It's kind of like a, a, you know, the marriage between a chat room and an environment. Um, I think with crypto, it, it came in heavy um, and the context of, you know, quote unquote metaverse um, evolved into this, like, you know, we're all going to live in this digital environment. And I, that's where I think the misconception was just like false. Right. And, um, and I'm kind of happy that the, 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 like the maturing period over the past year has kind of 
leveled that a little bit and and removed some of that um you know uh just inaccuracy right like i think it's 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 more in line with like games that you're seeing now i think the other side and what yuga is doing um is really starting to educate people on what metaverse and the kind of opportunity really should look like right like if they're they're the ones paving the way um and i think you're going to see a lot of um game companies shift into that kind of mindset uh, which is, I mean, that we we purchased the other side land and went with Yuga as kind of our, our metaverse interpretation because um, when I look at this landscape, um, not only does Yuga have it right, you know, they're the ones that are kind of creating the recipe. And so, you know, I think there's, in what they're doing with everything they've done with, you know, heavy metal now, you know, Dookie Dash, other side, Board Apes, right? Like one, they've they've got a brand and they're resilient, right? They're web three resilient, right? They've got enough money, they've got enough development kind of prowess that they can fail and test without as much judgment as say like a blizzard or an Activision coming into the space and, and testing, which is I think why those guys are reluctant, right? I think they're they're developing behind closed doors. Um, I think they're building some really great opportunities, but you're probably not going to see those opportunities for a number of years, right? Like Call of Duty is not going to be on Web3 for, you know, five to 10 years, maybe. Um, You'll see flavors of it, right? But because Yuga has been birthed in Web3, right? Like it all came from, from Bored Apes, right? So like, you know, I think they have a lot more of an advantage to pave the way. And as I said, they're kind of creating the recipe for it. So um, I think it's a constant evolution around, you know, quote unquote metaverse. Um, But I I think the best way to think about it is this like digital environment that we can, we can either play games in, we could throw events in, it's another type of venue space. And I think how projects utilize that, right? I think there's different flavors of it from depending on, you know, contextually how you're coming into that 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 conversation, right? If you're like a, a fashion brand, um, you might be interested in like the AR component, the VR component, right? Where like if I'm a Gucci, right? Like I you know, I want people in the metaverse rocking Gucci, um, or Nike, right? Like with like artifact, right? Like I want to see Nike sneakers on people in the metaverse, right? So that's their play. Um, but you know, they're probably not going to go build their own world, right? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to work with like a Yuga on the other side or like a sandbox or something. So like, I think you're going to see this, 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 like, um, this evolution continue. Right. And I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way of doing things. It's all kind of being like, it's in a kind of still creative space where like, there's not maybe not so much wrongdoing, but like it's going to lead someone somewhere, right? It's going to be this natural evolution and it'll organically present itself um, because so many people are working on so many things. Um, But I think the way we're doing it and the way that, you know, we're kind of looking at that opportunity is kind of like what Nick had mentioned with like some of the IRL stuff we want to do, whether it's like, you know, events out at the vineyard at Nick's vineyard in Oregon or, you know, customers that he has all over the world, like, you know, Michelin star restaurants or like wine bars in Italy, right? Like, you know, we can, we can do that, but like not everybody could attend, right? Like, so it's hard when you think about like global travel, right? Especially with like, whether it's like political or, or global conflicts, right? It's just sometimes might not be the right time. 
So having this like opportunity to bring everybody together digitally in kind of a metaverse environment, um, I, I do think it, it, it plays a part in the future and ultimately allows people to bridge that gap, right? And I think for that, we're really excited about it. Um, and again, because we went with the other side um, which I think has the best chance of success in whatever the context of, you know, quote unquote metaverse is, um, you know, we, we want to build a vineyard, right? We want to build a place where people can come, enjoy, um, you know, we could do some digital events there. We could do tastings, you know, do these kinds of interviews, right? Like what we're doing right now, imagine if we were walking around our vineyard and the other side doing this very thing, right? Like that kind of approach, um, so I think it's exciting, right? But I think, you know, kind of like what you said, and just to wrap up here, like, I think in the beginning, it was too much speculation, right? It was too much around this, like, overhyped concept of we're all going to live in the metaverse kind of thing. And, you know, I'm actually happy that that hype cycle has, like, kind of ground, you know, kind of brought us back to reality and grounded us in a way that now people can actually start to develop in that context without having that, like almost like power like too powerful of a context overarching whatever project you're working on because you didn't launch a vr headset or you didn't like do some sort of ar like it's like we've, we've, we've kind of got away from that and now everybody can go back to actually developing and creating and the bits and pieces will just come together in its in its own right and it'll organically evolve into whatever the metaverse goes and becomes right and i think there'll be different flavors of that so i think it's 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 still a part of Web3. I think it's still a part of what we want in this space and, and kind of, you know, bridging into other spaces. Um, but I think it's going to be for at least the next probably five years, um, a constant evolution that eventually lands into what we all agree. Like, well, when I think metaverse, like that's what I can point to. Right. It's, it's like that environment or that kind of opportunity. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with uh, your take on the metaverse and, and definitely it's the flavor of what you want it to be. And it's not a new concept, like you said. It's something we're used to growing up playing video games with your friends online and first few evolution of web transition from web one to web two. People started interacting on the internet. That That's pretty much the metaverse there. So um, Kostika and uh, Nick, if you guys had any inputs on that, uh, I would like to get your perspective as well. Oh boy, do do we have inputs? Nick, you want to go first? Go for it, Kostika. You want me to go? All right. All right. So <laughs> get get ready for this. Get ready because because this this just like all came together right now from from us from us talking about. So the the metaverse is an unstoppable manifestation of of the universe itself. Because do you know those three questions? Like, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Those three, like, super deep, 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 deep questions. And, I mean, every one of us has, has an answer, or, or, or not an answer, but from, like, looking around and trying to get those answers as, as like, as clear as possible, at least for me, those answers are, are like this. Like, in, or, in order for it to to make sense for me, it also has to be equal to we, right? Like, so like, like if I say I, and if I say we, that has to be the same thing. So, so who are, who am I? Who are we? 
We are the universe. Why are we here? We are here to do whatever we want. And where are we going? We are going to explore our creations. So now I have in my circle of friends, I have a lot of spiritual people. I have a lot of people that have experimented with, experiment with a lot of stuff, with substances, and people that have gotten there through solid meditation. And I have cheated a little bit with, with ayahuasca. And I've seen that, that, that metaverse, that crazy world where you go out there and you see all these entities and it's spectacular and it's multidimensional. That's why I say it's an unstoppable manifestation of the universe uh, creating because as each and every one of us, like we can all look into ourselves and we can, we have thought of like thousands of personalities of our own self. And we present like almost unlimited personalities of ourselves to other people and to different groups of people. So, so that's in, in a nutshell, what the metaverse is to me. Okay, you just got me thinking there. And uh, I, I am a spiritual person and I do believe like there's everything has a purpose and we're, we're multidimensional to begin with. And yeah, this, this is just crazy, man. Like I, if the vision is uh, reached uh, with what the potential of the metaverse is, like it's, it's going to be beautiful. So um, awesome. Uh, Nick, go for it, fam. All right. Um, when when Costica was speaking of his interpretation of the metaverse, I I just wanted to do justice uh, um, our creations to what we're what I'm creating, and that's really you know where my expertise is is in the creation of wines, and um, and to that point, uh, when you taste a wine. Uh, the first thing that's super important to me are like aromatics. Um, and then within those aromatics, you have fruit, you have floral notes, you have spice notes. Um, then when you taste the wine, you have the entry of the wine. What is the feeling when the wine passes through the, the first part of your mouth, of your palate? What is the weight of the wine? What is the structure, the density of that wine? The, the, are the tannins... Um, compact? Are they fine? Are they rustic? So there's a lot of things that you can visualize. Or when I, when I taste wines and I'm sitting down at a blending table, I taste the wines and I can kind of see them. I can kind of see, you know, if the volume in the wine, if the wine is, you know, we call it fat when it has like volume and a little bit of sweetness or if the wine is really driven or if the wine is tightly wound and has energy you can taste all of that. Um, things like that, those ideas that I have can be then interpreted into this project as well. And it just takes a conversation with Kostika and Rob and we can find out ways of, of interpreting that. And then interpreting the real growing process of growing grapes. When we grow grapes, we have to prune in the winter. Um, and then we lay down canes and then those, we, we'd use like a double guillot system or a single guillot system. 
And then it's a vertical shoot. So we have these vertical shoot positioning. You have the time when the, when the grape has bud break and flowering. Um, and there's problems that can happen. You can have like frost during that period and lose um, buds, which we actually had last year. We lost like 15% of our crop. You have like bird strikes. So there's this cedar waxwing bird that comes in and once the fruit's gone in the, in the hillsides, they come in and do damage to the, to the, um, the vineyard. So you have to put up bird netting. Um, we use like biodynamic sprays here um, and, and certain oils uh, to prevent against like powdery mildew and other, other issues like that. So all of this of that growing process we're able to interpret in the metaverse. And that's another way people can learn about a little bit about, you know, the growing process. And I'm sure we're going to dive into winemaking in the future too. And, you know, and I, I, I believe the same thing with my winemaking. Um, what I'm really trying to do is capture the essence of the terroir. Uh, and I'm, so it all starts in the vineyard. Winemaking starts in the vineyard. You have to have the best terroir and the best grapes to reach the highest level. And I'm always trying to, to improve and to, you know, um, just do the very best job we can uh, to make wine. So we start with great vineyards. And then how do I respect that fruit and the nuance of that vineyard, that terroir that's naturally given? in the winery and how do I be like now my idea is how do I be as gentle as possible with this wine throughout the process. Um, so there's these anthocyan chains. We want really long chains in the wine that gives you like a long mouth feel in the wine. So we're trying to be, you know, really respectful to the wines, use gravity to move the wines instead of like impeller pumps that stir up the wines. Um, when I think of a wine, every time you make an analogical addition and you make these different additions, it's kind of like a check, a check, a check. And then pretty soon, once you make five checks or whatever, you lose some integrity of capturing that essence of the terroir. And um, so the more hands off, the more gentle. But at the same time, that takes more risk and it takes more diligence. Like I have to be there topping all the barrels sanitation has to be incredible um i'm there with the fermentations every day when the wine's fermenting to judge the heat and check the bricks i'm not using commercial yeast so these are like wild spontaneous fermentations from the yeasts in the vineyard that is fermenting this wine and they're not necessarily as strong as commercial yeast so i have to be there uh we have like temperature like these glycol plates that go into the into a wine that I can pass warm uh, heat through and warm up the fermentation if I need to. And we can use glycol to cool the fermentation. So I'm really using temperature and diligence of being there to create the best wines. And, you know, it is, there's a spiritual aspect to that. And that is what we're trying to show with the project. And if we can show that in the best way in the metaverse, um, I think, uh, yeah, I'll be super happy. And that all of this process has created an incredible network of winemakers that I know. And I feel so lucky that, you know, 
I'm probably the only Oregon winery distributed throughout Italy. And that's from a friend in uh, Barbaresco who tasted my wine with another friend. She loved it. Bruno Roca, um, Luisa Roca is her name. And she introduced me to her distributor in Italy called Pellegrini. And if you look at it, at their wine list, you'll see incredible wineries. Uh, and one from the United States, and that's Authentic Wine Cellars. So, you know, what we're doing is an international community. My, and, uh, and um, yeah, I just really am excited for us to express all of that in the metaverse and then also create that great community and have fun with it. Absolutely. I, I could listen to you for hours, talk about that process and you put it in such amazing words that I, I was actually following for someone that knows nothing about the process of wine making. I, I could actually follow along with the, with the journey of how much work goes into doing it the right way. And it's just, it shows that you're not doing it just as a business. Like it's something that is spiritually important to you and shows in the way you talk about it. Um, we have had such a great conversation so far, guys. I didn't even look at the time. And we're, we're sitting at a, about R and 10 minutes here. I want to be mindful of everybody's time since it's the weekend. Um, so before we uh, start closing down things, I want to make sure that I am able to ask you guys about anything that we haven't covered yet that you would, uh, you would like to talk about before we get your closing comments. Yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, this was absolutely great. I, I love these kind of sessions and, and these like open dialogues. I think, you know, you really, you know, you really tease out a lot of details that you don't get from like some of the normal spaces. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate the time today. Um, one of the things I just wanted to make sure we cover is the grow to drink process with the project, because I think it's it's one of the most um you know, exciting parts that, you know, we, we captured through what we've built here. And, um, you know, so just real quick, you know, the way that the, the process works um, is, as I mentioned, we put out these empty bottles last year. Um, the bottles are the supplies. Um, in this next phase uh, with our mint on Friday, uh, holders will be getting their their grapevines right or or you know let's let's just say something that starts them in the growing there's there's a little surprise before the grapevines but essentially there'll be this dynamic element where um you know you get this item right and then you have to start growing your grapes and you know we're getting back to the metaverse discussion that we had right we're, we're trying to tell the story as if this is evolving in the metaverse right and so um everything has this flavor of like tech meets winemaking meets you know the traditional kind of reality of, of how these things are are made and, and produced um so it's paying homage to that right so um when when you receive this item let's let's say i don't want to spill the beans um when you receive this item right you know you'll come to our dashboard and you'll, you'll essentially start your growing process. Um, and with that, it'll be just basically like a staking process. It's a passive staking process. So you don't have to transfer your NFTs anywhere. Um, it's gasless, right? We don't want to, you know, incur additional costs. Um, and when you start this growing process, your grapevines will reveal and essentially, uh, 
depending on the rarity that you have in your grapes, uh, you'll grow one, two, three, or four grapes a day. And so because we're not a normal PFP project or like the traditional kind of NFT, you know, game or anything like that, you know, getting back to that strategy we talked about, right? We spent a lot of time thinking about what rarity could mean for this, right? We wanted to build in rarity in some degree. Um, and as you could tell from talking with Nick, right, you learn a lot about the process in those discussions. And so one of the things I gravitated towards was time, right? Like, you know, when you, when you make these exceptional wines, time is probably the, one of the most important ingredients, right? Like these things are fermenting in barrels for, you know, 12, 14, 16 months, depending on, you know, the, the, the varietal. And um, so I, I, I captured that, right? And I was like, that's, that's what we should do for rarity. And so when I say that the grapevines will grow one, two, three, or four grapes a day, um, depending on your rarity, that's what kind of depicts how many grapes you grow a day, right? So common grapes will grow one grape a day, uh, semi-rare grapes will grow two, and then rare will grow three, legendary grapes will grow four. Um, and what that means is, you know, all of the grapevines will need to grow 14 grapes times eight clusters so you have to grow 112 grapes right that's kind of like the you know the equalizer between all of the grapevines and so the the rarity or the time so to speak allows you to do that faster or slower right so if you're growing four grapes a day you're going to get to that 112 grape number faster and sooner than other people right so that's kind of the play on rarity for us um and then once you get through that process let's say you've grown all your grapes um, there's going to be a harvesting process. We're going to harvest your grapes, you know, and we'll have some really cool, fun storytelling along the way and um, graphics and artwork that kind of, you know, helps align all of this. Um, and, you know, the process there is you harvest these grapes and then you're going to basically make your wine. And you take that empty bottle, NFT, you combine it with your grapes and then it'll, it'll physically fill the bottle right in front of you. Um, you know, get sealed, labeled, the whole nine. And now that NFT changes into a full bottle NFT. Um, and with that full bottle NFT, that's at the point now where you can redeem, use that NFT to redeem your physical bottle. So that's kind of like the, the process in which the approach will, will, will walk you through the different phases. Um, and so we've, we've built from the ground up uh, a very unique dashboard grow and redemption process that captures all of that um, and allows the users to log in and check their grapevines, see what's growing, right? You know, you, if you're there at the right time, you actually literally see the, the, the grapes pop onto the vine right in front of you. Right. So it's like this like real time process that evolves throughout the entire um, process that you're growing your grapes. Um, and each of these things creates kind of like a unique dynamic, right? Like whether it's the artwork that's changing along the way, you know, updating with grapes and then eventually becoming a bottle and then the bottle becomes something else, um, you know, it, to the technology that's underlying and, you know, updating all the metadata that is associated with it, um, even to like the secondary value of like, well, like, what does that mean from a, you know, price point, right? Like somebody who has staked grapes, and grown for two and a half months, you know, and now wants to go and sell their grapevines. 
um, because they didn't want to necessarily get the wine, right? Maybe they thought it was, it was an investment opportunity or something. I don't know, right? Like there's so many like elements to this that you can, you know, capitalize on or gamify, right? And whatever approach that you like to play with NFTs, um, it creates this really dynamic part of the project that like we we don't know what's going to happen right like you know all these aspects collide into this opportunity um and whether it's secondary market value you know collecting the bottles you know actually redeeming the bottles and drinking really fine wine right like all of that caters to different people and there's like different flavors of it so it's it's really interesting when you look at like this like it's not just dynamic in one sense of the artwork changing um, but the entire process is a completely organic and dynamic process um, that once we release this, once we put it out into the wild, right? Like we don't have any control over it anymore, right? Like the cat's out of the bag, right? Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Um, and I think that is, is one of the probably coolest things about this type of project and how we've built this from the ground up uh, specifically to um, – you know, promote that, right. To do something that's a little bit different from the normal NFT space kind of PFP project. Um, and like Nick had said in the beginning, kind of taking a full circle, um, you know, there's going to be some bits of pieces along the way that we're going to throw out there that we haven't even talked about yet, you know, some gamification, some things that we're coming up with on the fly. Um, and I've got, I got a couple of tricks up my sleeve, that I'm really, really excited to start to tell people about. Um, and I think as we kind of get closer and closer to Mint, more of these things will be uncovered. And I think a lot of people that are looking at the project, wondering about what we're planning here, um, it's just going to get people more and more excited because everything that we're building, you know, gets back to like what we talked about today, right? Community, right? You know, digital meets physical, um, you know, the opportunity to explore and play around with this metaverse concept and what does that mean and how, you know, you know, capture that and, and be a part of that as it evolves. Um, and then the end product is really great people, you know, a lot of passion and creativity um, using this new technology and having a lot of fun with, with people that are like-minded in this space to do something that's refreshingly different from all of the other things that you have going on out there. Um, so I just wanted to kind of like run through that because we, we've had bits and pieces of this conversation that have been absolutely, this has one of been, been one of my favorite spaces uh, that we've done so far. And, um, you know, I didn't want to get lost in just the discussion. I wanted to make sure anybody that would be listening to the recording or, or you know, coming into the project later, they just had a moment that they can kind of digest like, the full process. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing with the, and I, first of all, thank you so much for those flowers. Um, I, my job, and I love doing these because the people that I get to talk to are people that are genuinely, in, and it's always a word of mouth. Like, I want to shout out Reed and Jenny for uh, connecting us because when a Leon family member, especially the core community, like core team members, like if they're excited about something, I'm not going to think twice before, like, literally hopping on a call and appreciate you guys for being available in such a short notice as well, because this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about bringing what bringing uh, a spotlight on people and projects that are, that are actually adapting to the ethos of web three and trying to make it better. Uh, because the more people we have thinking like that, the better this place 
this place and the space is going to be for newcomers and is going to lead to better adoption and more sustainability. And we're just going to see the best of Web3. So I enjoy doing these and, and I appreciate you guys being here. And before, I want to make sure that if there's anybody in the audience, before we get the last few words in, this is your time to either uh, request to come up or you can always post your question if you have any or comments in the comment section down there uh, to this space. Um, so moving along to uh, Nick and Kostika, if you guys had any closing remarks, um, I'd love to hear those. Yeah, I mean, um, the fact that, you know, we're to be working with these with this incredible people, like, like you see how you see how passionate from both sides, like like the passion uh, from from the making of the f- physical and then from the creation of the digital. Like I I feel so grateful, you know, to be working a- amongst these people and you know to be in, in spaces like this and 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 what this has done uh, since, since the beginning. Like all these wonderful people that that we've met and all these amazing talks we've had, and they it seems like they keep getting better and better. And then like we all learn more. Uh, about each other, about the project, and uh, about the space, just just by doing this. So thank you, thank you so much for having us. Absolutely, it's a pleasure, Kostika. Nick, let's get you on here. All right, I, the wines that I have available for uh, redemption on this project are some of my best small lot wines. Uh, we have Windridge from the Ribbon Ridge AVA, 80s planting. Uh, that was one of my favorite fermentations, that vintage. Dundee Hills AVA, Myrto. I've got an unfined, unfiltered wine called Ridgecrest. The first planting in, in Ribbon Ridge. Uh, this is the seven-acre block. Um, organic, biodynamic, certified grape wines. My 17 Keeler estate uh, received 94 points, wine enthusiast, 94 James Suckling. Um, it's drinking so well right now. I reached back into the library and uh, have an allocation of the 2015 Keeler estate, which is one of the best vintages in the Willamette Valley. And you'll be able to see just kind of what this ethereal mid palate is on that wine. Lots of fresh Chardonnay that uh, would go great with like Dungeness Crab and Great Acidity. These aren't like big, heavy, buttery Chardonnays. This is cold climate. You know, we're right in the Van Duzer corridor. So we're impacted by the climate from the Pacific coast and the Van Duzer corridor winds that kind of funnel that through our vineyards. And then I have two like really fun uh, wines that are that I call leisure. There's a skin contact Pinot Gris, organic, biodynamic, spontaneous fermentation. Um, it's got this like uh, citrus rind and stone fruit, and it's an orange wine, but it's super fresh. It's not an oxidized style. Um, and then I have a barrel aged Pinot Gris, which is aged 16 months in barrel, but it is also really fresh, beautiful acidity. Uh, great like grapefruit tones, um, citrus tones, and then minerality like whetstone and such. So the wines that we have available um, are incredible. And then based on the rarity of your vine, you'll have the first pick 
um, on on your favorite wines, whether it's Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, uh, or the uh, Skin Contact or Barrel Aged Pinot Gris. And I'm so excited for once people try the wines, they'll see why they're different. And you feel different after you drink these wines. They're they're natural, uh, beautiful um, wines. And uh, thanks, thank you to everyone for being here. I, I appreciate it. And thank you for hosting us as well. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you so much for those inputs as well. Uh, all right, guys, we are uh, towards the end of the space here. Uh, Want to again shout out and thank uh, Nick and Costica and Bobby for coming in here and educating us about everything going on with board grapes. Uh, this was a great conversation, guys. Again, you're always welcome to come back and show us and share the wonderful updates as you keep progressing in your Web3 journey with you and your wonderful community. Have a wonderful day, afternoon, and night, everybody. Take care and stay blessed. Mm -hmm.